City University Television presents The American Theatre Wing Seminars Working in the Theatre This seminar, Performance American Theatre Wings Working the Theatre Seminars, now in their 30th year and coming to you from the Graduate Center at the City University of New York. Professionals are brought together by the American Theatre Wing for these seminars to help provide an insight to what it's like to work in the theatre. Today's seminar is with five leading performers, each of them starring on Broadway in a role originated by someone else. We hope to learn not only about their approach this special undertaking and their preparation, but what it takes in energy, passion, and temperament in order to succeed. I'm Isabel Stevenson, Chairman of the Board of the American Theatre Wing, and so now let me introduce our moderator for the seminar, President of the Dramatist Guild, Tony, Oscar, and Emmy Award-winning playwright, Peter Stone. Thank you, Isabella. This is a fascinating subject um, because there isn't a playwright or a producer who, who doesn't spend a lot of time at, at, at this idea. It only happens with successful shows. You don't replace actors in unsuccessful shows. The show itself gets replaced. <laughs> so, or unless there's some act of God on the third week where someone gets hit by a taxi. Uh, not taxi. Sorry, it happened right there. Uh, but it's a very complicated thing because roles are originated and get identified with. Now normally, in all the shows I've done, when there's been no star name involved, <coughs> the replacement is a very smooth operating thing. And you replace with very good actors. And, and uh, when you've got a star vehicle, where you're part really identified with a star, it's very difficult. Because for audiences, you sometimes have to uh, reproduce the uh, level of stardom with the, to get them to still come, if the show's very, very identified. Well, here are five examples of good luck for shows, because they've all been replaced very, very successfully. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, matter of fact, there are two, Stephen and, and, um, and Brad, who, are in the, who work together. Steve Weber is someone I've known uh, peripherally. He was in a uh, I met him. We had dinner the last time I saw him, and it was very pleasant. And uh, he's an actor, though, who's been in all in stage and screen and television. Once and again, is the latest series. But Wings is sort of where he gained his original popularity. But he is now, of course, Leo Bloom in The Producers and um, doing exceptionally well. Uh, Mary Lohanna is someone I've known for a long time. We've worked together for many years, just coincidentally. We've done stage, we've done television, uh, television all sorts of things. And Mary Lou uh, is now uh, on Broadway uh, in the uh, tale of the um, allergist's wife. Is that right? Right. The fellow sitting on my left, your right, uh, Hal Linden. Uh, Hal is a star of every medium, and um, his... Uh, 
television, I mean, we all know Barney Miller, but he won a Tony on Broadway doing the Rothschilds. He's been in everything else, and he is now uh, playing a wonderful part um, in Cabaret. Uh, Richard Kind, uh, I don't know that you've ever been on, on the stage in, in New York before. It's oh, not yeah, in, well, yeah. it's not in your, in your, in your bio. All over New York. It's really? Just, just yeah, <laughs> but, but Spin City was such an enormous, I mean, you know, that was such an enormous hit, and that's, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you have a, uh, a memorable face to start with, mm -hmm. and, and being on a series that is very successful even doubles and triples that. Brad Oscar has one of the more interesting stories here because he rose through the ranks, so to speak. He was in the original production of Producers. He was nominated for a Tony. He was just fabulous in it. Went through the whole very sloppy thing that happened with a replacement star being selected and then rejected it within about 11 minutes. And it was not, it was not a happy thing and should not have happened. Uh, but it, all things work out well because Brad, who had played the part probably uh, more often <laughs> than the star. So we're going to start over here with, uh, over here on this side with Stephen. Uh, first of all, let me ask you what it's like to, uh, to take over a part that is identified with someone and make it yours. Mm. Well, um, I, I have to say that in spite of everybody reminding me constantly about how big the shoes uh, are, were that I was about to fill and how much pressure there was, I really never felt any of that. I was just uh, personally so enthralled to be involved in this production that I didn't care about being nervous or being pressured and I just more or less enjoyed myself through the whole process. I mean, th there are, uh, my, my um, philosophy is to just, uh, if, if I'm replacing somebody, just to keep the, the train, the juggernaut of this show moving and not slow it down for my own personal, you know, uh, process. Uh, um, in many ways, not, not to speak ill of the, the dead, uh, in Henry Goodman's case, I, I, I think he was, he, he's the type of actor that wants to uh, very much um, start from scratch and, and, and make it his own, and I don't think in this case that was the, the best thing, the best way of going about it. For me, I just wanted to get on this moving train and, and uh, rip off as much of uh, uh, Matthew Broderick's performance <laughs> as I could. <laughs> uh, and, and in a way to, to, to keep everybody moving, to keep the momentum of this, of this show going. Um, and hopefully over time, make it my own uh, by virtue of the fact that we're physical type, uh, uh, that we're different physically and we're different people. It will be different. But uh, I think it's the responsibility in this show, I guess, to, to um, you know, to, to not make it about you, but to make it about the show, to keep the show. But, but be, while you've been identified with comedy, I mean, both of your, you know, both of your television things were, were, were comedies, this is not the kind of comedy audiences knew you for. So, so to that extent, there, there was, there was a, it, uh, it's not, we haven't seen you do this kind of comedy too often. Well, I suppose. I mean, uh, I, I, I just have to say that I perhaps haven't been given the opportunity to do Clearly. something like this. And, and that tells me that there are many actors, even ones that we're very familiar with, who are limited by how the audience uh, perceives them. Uh, from being in shows, from being in 
taxi from being in Spin City. Nobody knows that, or, or Barney Miller, you know, that, that nobody knows that people can maybe sing or dance, or that they've had uh, training yeah. that but allows that, them to do that. That's an interesting point you brought up, because when I, I had started on Broadway, I had done three Broadway shows before I even got Taxi. And when I went into Chicago years later, after having been on Taxi and Evening Shade and, you know, done a lot of movies and stuff, they, somebody, somebody wrote a letter, an, another fellow actor wrote a letter saying, how dare they bring in a sitcom star, blah, blah, blah. And I actually had had more experience than yeah. she had on yeah. Broadway. And it was so strange to me, because I had always thought of myself as more of a Broadway actress than a sitcom. And it's sometimes you get pigeonholed that way, mm -hmm. and you know, it's it's up to us, <coughs> excuse me, and our agents and staying on top of things to stay connected enough to the Broadway community to be able to come back and know what you would be right for. Mm. <coughs> Can I speak? <laughs> Are you allowed to speak? <laughs> what do we do? Let's have Don't a vote in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. okay, fair enough. What happens, <laughs> what happens to the rest of the cast? How do you fit in? Well, yeah, well, I was gonna, I, believe it or not, I was going to get to that. But, we did, <laughs> but the fact is that I wanted to get everybody's opening statement. But oh, we, can get to, we can get to that now, because she owns the hall. <laughs> <laughs> so we can... Okay. Yes. Yeah, so we can. We can. Uh, w uh, we're going to get to that. Okay. We're going to uh, okay. about fitting in with the rest of the cast, about the director and the stage manager and all that. We are going to get to that. I just want a lot of tension on this panel. <laughs> <laughs> None whatsoever. A lot of anger. <laughs> None whatsoever. <laughs> uh, anyway, so but you have replaced now four times. Four times. Actually, what's interesting, I've been on Broadway six times. I created a role, and actually there was a role I created in the original Grease. I didn't do the original company on Broadway because I was just starting college at the time, and my father had passed away, so I didn't want to come to New York. But then I went out in the national company, so I came in to, you know, and somebody else was kind of doing my part. So I, I, I guess I replaced somebody who had replaced me, something yeah. like that anyway. Right. But yes, I replaced Marlo Thomas in Social Security many years ago. I also replaced uh, Annie Reinking in, um, in, uh, in Chicago, and I'm recently replacing... Uh, Michelle Lee. Michelle Lee in, in Tale of Biologist Wife. How soon we forget. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then, and then with Annie Get Your Gun, we, uh, I had seen brought, uh, Bernadette's performance, and because she and I were so different, I'm such a different physical type, and also Bernadette's the kind of person that has people sort of more away from her, and I'm like somebody who grabs people, punches them, you know, all, all this. I wanted to recreate the show, so when we did the first national company, they started from the very beginning and did so many different things and added dancing, because I'm a dancer. So they tailor-made it for me, and actually Reba came and watched our show a, a few times and ended up doing that show on Broadway. But you, but Bernadette never had an exercise tape. No, that's true. <laughs> I promised, I promised, I promised I would, two things I wouldn't mention. Uh, and John Travolta. Oh, anyway, so... As long um, as you mention no dairy, I don't know. <laughs> but but with, Michelle, with coming into uh, the Tale of the Allergist's Wife, we were very lucky, Richard and I and Rhea Perlman, we came in together as a company. There are five people in the show. All five of us started together. We got to start from, you know... Uh, you don't want to say ground zero anymore. <laughs> from square one, you don't want to, uh, from square, square one. one. And it was the five of us working together for four weeks. So we got to really break it down and do different things and find our own rhythms. And also because our cast was a little bit younger, they, uh, the writer came in and made diff you know, changed some of the dialogue, changed Charles. some of the references. Charles Bush, Who's of course, wonderful. brilliant writer. And, he and actor. That's an interesting actor. too. When a writer is as uh, as uh, uh, as talented an actor as uh, as Charles is. Right. 
came in and, and changed some of the references and everything else. And I think for me, what I, just like Stephen mentioned, you, you want to keep the train going, no question about it. But you know that, I mean, being so different than the people I've replaced, I knew that a certain energy, a certain way I look, et cetera, et cetera, was always going to be sort of given, you know, get, flesh out that character for me. And you, you're just so happy to have the job, and you, you know you want to, like, honor the piece, but you want to also give it your little special stamp. So you find those little ways of doing it, especially if you study your part well enough and learn your dances and your song and your lines. Then you can start putting, tweaking it with all your little special but that's, ingredients. But that's an interesting point, too, that, that it was in the case of, um, of Brad and Stephen, they, they moved into a cast that had one eyebrow raised, you know, go ahead, we've been here, let's see what you're going to do. In this case, it was like, it was like a pro football team, the defense coming in after right. the offense, the whole new <laughs> squad game in, you know, yeah. and that's an interesting thing. It's the best way to do it. Is. do it. I've, it done, is, it, you I've can. done it both ways. But, but it's, no, it's not, unfortunately, it's not, it's not, it's, but it's no, not no, your no. decision. So now, on the other hand, Hal, who has done this everything, I mean, you were on the stage long before... Tele your television hit. I, I joked with him earlier. He was on. That's because there, when he started, there was no television. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, he. I mean, one big part after another. But and and then of course the big success. And now, here you are again. Uh, you know, back on Broadway in these roles. Tell me, you've you've done both. You've originated roles yes. many times, and you've and you've replaced uh, uh, as you've done on the last two Candor and Ebb uh, shows that are running, and others as well. Uh, what tell us a little I don't, bit? I don't find the process any different. That is the actual process of decision making any different. Uh, the best way is indeed when you replace with an entire cast. When you come in and you work together, I did that in uh, Sisters Rosenzweig. I did that in Cabaret. There were. All of us came at the same time, and we worked together on the scenes. Yes, the staging is set, so it's this—it's something like putting on somebody else's suit. And as you work your way on it, you put, take up the sleeves a little, take up the pull, take up the, the waist till it fits. Uh, but that's true anyway. I mean, uh, one doesn't have free reign on the stage when one creates a role. You still have a writer and a director saying, mm, "Do it this. How about this? And try this." And, so, um, but the, the actual process is the same. You still start from scratch every time. You still start. Had you seen the original role? In I both saw the original production <coughs> in 19, what, yeah, 70, but I mean, 67, something like that. Did you see Ron do it? How's that? Did you see Ron do it in this? Ron Rifkin in, yeah. in the... No, no, no. no, no, no he I started with the original production. I saw the original production right. with... Uh, right, with uh, Joel and... Uh, and uh, Jack Guilford. Jack Guilford, right. Right, exactly. Which was quite and different. Right. Quite different. Different people. And, different. and Mrs. Kurt Vile. And Mrs. Kurt Vile. <laughs> exactly. Oh, right. Anyway. Uh, and uh, no, I had never seen it. Now, here again, you start with the, uh, somebody else's suit. You're going to come in this door. Uh, you're going to leave it open. You're going to say your lines here, basically. But given that's just the passageway. Once yeah. you get on, you've got to be you, you've got to be a human being, you've got to do right. all the work that it takes to originate a role. Uh, you've got to have all the, all the uh, study, all the background. You've got to know the politics of the, of the year. You've got to know the, the, the social uh, climate that we're talking about. It's very big in the relationship between the two it's characters. It's really interesting that Stephen and Brad came into not just replacing Nathan and Matthew, 
But dare I say it, replacing Zero and Gene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it. I didn't even mention their last names. <laughs> That's how they are. That's how big they But I mean, those are shoes to fill as well. It's true, although not many of us alive remember that. But uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but but that was uh, that, that. It's quite true. Uh, but th nevertheless, a film. It's not. Wasn't like it's a revival. Yeah. Where there was uh, on the stage Alfred Drake uh, I, you're, you're, or you're Mary right, Martin. Right. It was a film, and uh, you know when when we, when I did uh, Sugar, which was something like it hot, there was the ghost of Jack Lemmon and Tony you Curtis imagine, and so forth. Yeah, but but it, they, there was never that comparison. Well, first of all, it was Bobby Morris and and Tony. And, and Tony. And that's it's, a, it's one degree of separation yes. you know, of our <laughs> yeah. life because here he is now with Tony, with the ghost of Tony. Robert. Yeah. Now now when I'm. You know, when, when we're doing Tale of the Allergist's Wife, which was a piece that was, in essence, I'm talking to Charles, written specifically for Linda Lavin. Right. So can you imagine what kind of trouble Valerie had to go into, uh, had, had to do with a piece that was written specifically for right. somebody, and then Rhea having to go into that? It was not written specifically for Tony, I don't believe, but he was in, on, in the rehearsal and, and everything like that. But he, uh, Tony always said that he felt that he was serving not just the play, but serving Linda a lot of times. And, and, and when he left, he gave me the best piece of direction. He just said, love your wife. And that was, uh, that was like an eye-opener. He just said, love her. I said, you will not In come off In the play, he's talking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you I stay with too, yeah. 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 You keep your so no, Not Tony's wife, yeah. either. <laughs> <laughs> but but th that was such a wonderful thing. So, so through the creative process, he got to learn that thing because he was there when Charles and Lynn were right. writing and rewriting. So that's a, a wonderful thing. Like Hal said, going in and the staging is all set. Then there were times where I said, you know, I just wouldn't move there. Why, why am I sitting on the couch there? I, I mean, I hate to say it. What is my motivation to sit on the couch there? <laughs> well, it's our job then to make up a motivation to sit on the couch because that's what the lighting director has designed. That's what the director has set down, that this is what you do. So it well, becomes like make a Swiss watch that fits together a certain right, way. Right. And yeah. if you change it, then everything else right after when, that. When know. Herb Ross was making the film of, the odd of uh, Sunshine Boys, it uh, was an actor playing the young agent who said, why do I go into the kitchen at this point? He says, well, because the author wants those two to be alone. He said, but why do I right. go in the kitchen? And her thought about it. he says, you know, you're right, you can't go in the kitchen. The actor that has your job is in the kitchen. Brad. Brad, in many cases, uh, uh, Nathan, Nathan being as uh, extravagant as seems on the surface to be a tough act, but certainly the role you played, even in the beginning, is very was very extravagant. I mean, it's very over the top, which right. of course in a way, one of the reasons I think that that um, that Nathan uh, and and um, and Matthew uh, have not somehow is because Mel Brooks was the star of the show in an odd way, and therefore, what you're so what you're doing is is moving from Mel to the audience rather than through Nathan. So you've got his stuff, but uh, nevertheless, uh, you've got to you know, but being that you were understudying it and had mm -hmm. played it so often right. had to have made the whole transition easier. Uh, yes, it did. I mean, I went into the kitchen because certainly <laughs> <laughs> when right. I was going on That's for Nathan, right. it was my job uh, 
to be there for Matthew in That's the right. ways that he had gotten used to eight times a week. So it wasn't my job to come in and reinvent the wheel at all. And um, certainly, again, watching that force of nature and seeing what Nathan did eight times a week, um, that gave me an amazing shell to work within. And when I went on as an understudy, I certainly did my best not to imitate Nathan, although I know, you know, throughout my career, I have reminded people of Nathan, <laughs> I will sound like Nathan. You know, that is what it is. That got me to where I am with this production right now, I believe, coming in to, to stand by for him. Um, but then when Stephen and I started working together, and I actually took over the role, and both Mel Brooks and Susan Stroman were very supportive and encouraging for both of us to make it our own and to not feel that we had to fill those bits. And, and we actually got rid of certain things mm. that didn't necessarily work organically mm -hmm. for us. And we started to, you know, create our own thing. It was difficult for me because I had the echoes of that original, right. you know, all that stuff that had been created in the <coughs> rehearsal hall and then was Because you were just Danny Boyle. You were on the stage in another part. Correct. You know, right. The same so, when so you yeah. I mean, I was pretty in touch with exactly what was going on and the mechanics, you know, of the evening. Um, the great thing is, I think every actor prays for material like this, a show that is so well written and designed and everything, directed and choreographed, right. that you, you have that amazing support system. You do not have to work to make it work. You just have to go out there and Do fill it. it and live it and breathe it. Right. And, uh, yeah, and so these last couple months now that, that we've been able to do that without, uh, again, this idea of we can't worry about being replacements. What, no. That has absolutely nothing no. to do with Th our job. It's faded in everybody's mind except yeah. the few that kind of bring it up for, I don't know, in Interview yeah. purposes, <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> but because uh, really, like today? <laughs> I didn't want to no, name no, names, no. but uh, <laughs> but it is because the mechanics of it, which is a different sure. uh, different thing. I don't think we're doing. now now Isabel. Now's the time. I, I want that question to this panel now. Now, I want to know what happens when the, the announcement is made in the audience that the role of so and so is now being taken over by, and you hear that. Ooh. Oh, well, no, that's, that's an understudy's well, problem, an understudy. but these aren't understudies, and, uh, you know, although I'm yeah. sure they all have understudies. They have it no, have first been of all, and have no, been well, I think Brad had the toughest Brad. role, because there he was, understudying Nathan, sure. and so the nights that Nathan wasn't there, but um, but it's in the program, it's out front, the people there sort of know but it But you oh. still get the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I will sure. I'll tell you I'm this, used though. to hearing that low groan, anyway. <laughs> 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 Usually well, at the no, curtain call, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'll tell you this. I was in a I was in a show. I was the understudy to Sidney Chaplin in Bells Are Ringing, and and went on, and uh, three days later, uh, Judy Holiday was out with the same thing. They had both leads gone. You want to talk about a moment? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, in two by two. When Danny Kaye used to come, well, come on the end, Harry the had to go on and for him. He played the oldest son, and Harry went mm -hmm. on for him. And Harry was a very, very good understudy. Harry had replaced Zero uh, before, you know, in, in Fiddler. And Harry was in some way, this is going to sound like heresy, or in this case, heresy. Uh, <laughs> Harry was a better <coughs> Kevya for one reason. His imitation was so super was so complete, and he didn't fool around like Zero did. Because <laughs> <laughs> Zero was a terrible fooler around, a genius, but he fooled around. So Harry was a wonderful person. But when he went with Danny Kaye, 
Zero was, while a star, not a household word. Danny Kaye was an icon. Uh, he, he did his best to uh, do away with that. But, but the fact was <laughs> that, that when Harry went on, you, if you were standing in the aisle, you could have been trampled by people leaving together. <laughs> and, and when I saw Two by Two, there was an announcement that came on, tonight the part of Noah, normally played by Danny Kaye, will be played by Danny Kaye. He <laughs> 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 was him making the announcement. And that's uh, what it was. Yeah, you could hear the guy. Oh, like that. That was the wow. most responsible that living. Is the playwright involved in the replacement? Yes. Uh, they're not re involved, in the obviously, in the <coughs> ensemble replacements. But yes. Uh, first of all, playwrights have, thanks to the Dramatist Guild, uh, approval of cast. Uh, so you cannot uh, replace <coughs> uh, the cast or uh, g without the playwright's approval. Now, a lot of playwrights are busy with another play or busy doing something else or they're gone and they trust the director or they trust the producer, but playwrights have, uh, should take an interest, and uh, as I always have, and I think most of the, of the people who have been in it for a long time do take an interest. Our, crea our creative people all came back, John. And well, because that leads to the next question. Were you Joe? all of you put in by the director, <coughs> not the stage manager? I, well, with you, it was different because you'd done it all that time. You're, the, you're always the exception here today. Because <laughs> yeah. you had done yes, it Yes, indeed, though. But, but, we, but we did have rehearsals together. Oh, Susan yes. Susan came and, and put you oh, in. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they still come every month and a half, every two months. They both show up, which is great. Just last night, we I had two pages of typewritten notes. <laughs> <laughs> from the director, not the stage manager. Uh, well, uh, from the stage uh, manager, but right, he, he sort of channels the director. Such it changes. It's different. Notes such as? Yeah. One was, don't fool around in the wing. Okay. <laughs> love your wife. Yeah, love your wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love Tony Roberts' wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 they, they had to do with with, uh, with uh, most of them. I thought were were very off valid. Stage deportment. Yes, that and, uh, stage managers care about that. They, well, they, they run off stage. Well, because they, 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 I think they have a they. By virtue of the the profession they've chosen, they they think very in a very linear fashion. Yeah. They manage the stage, and they don't. They want to prevent things from going berserk. And in, in the show that we do, it has a tendency. The show, everybody in the show, yeah. has a tendency to want to do just that. So uh, I mean, there are people in the quote unquote ensemble. And I, I say quote unquote because they're all amazing actors in their own right. They're not just background people who have made these small roles, these kind of peripheral roles, uh, comedic highlights in this <laughs> show, you know, and it's a real, you know, and, so and cut the, it out. And so <laughs> stop it. <laughs> stop it, you hammy bastards. <laughs> <laughs> to eliminate well, the improvements. <laughs> uh, that's it. Someone no knows that Wednesday is a matinee day, but what you don't know is yeah. that Tuesday is an understudy day, and that's mm. when the stage manager does rehearsals, mm. usually, on most, on most musicals. But we have it Thursday. You on Thursday, ah. Uh, uh, but uh, used to be Saturday morning in my day. Ooh. I know, but, but before television right. and before <laughs> the union. Uh, but the uh, so it is the director in all cases here. No, oh. no, uh, I was put in by the stage manager. Our director was off doing some picture. I forget which one. Sam Mendes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he made the final Hope Crosby picture, <laughs> the Road to Perdition. Yes, Road to Perdition. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> 
final Dorothy Lamore as perdition. That's right. That's right. It varies with the situation. A little bit of confusion. Some people who don't know who Opa was, but on the other hand, that's what happens when you get a young audience. Hope Lang and Bob. Sometimes we were lucky. We were really lucky. We were lucky because I think Lynn at first thought she was just going to come at the beginning, and then she ended up spending so much time with us because we all became so close. So we were very lucky, and she was. She made a phone call saying, "Don't worry, I'm going to be around before we even start a rehearsal. You're going, you know, you're going to be directed. It's not just a put in." And like Mary Lou said, she really was there even when she was doing business at Manhattan Theater Club, whose offices were where the rehearsal space was. She would find herself coming down and staying for an hour, and then two hours, and really working us. And then we would just go through it with the stage manager when she was not available. And also, we had four four weeks, which is very rare when you place in a in a comedy or a drama you usually get two weeks which I, is what I had for social security and four weeks for a musical what did you yeah. did you guys have four weeks I you had, had two weeks, weeks. see oh ours, ours, ours was it was a weeks. blessing but it I'll tell you blessing. I thought we should have moved to the stage sooner just a little well bit I'll tell you this when we were rehearsing we had the stage manager his assistant the director and an intern all of whom had seen the play 600 times <laughs> and I, and nobody nobody saw us rehearse I thought we were doing a very pleasant little comedy, maybe a drama even. <laughs> I had no idea what we were doing. Four weeks and not a laugh. Not a laugh. And, 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 and Tuesday night, when we opened, having never run through it on stage, never ran through it, with, certainly not with costumes, never ran through it. On Tuesday night, we found out we were funny. It was... <laughs> Who the hell knew? I'm telling you, it was who the hell knew. Well, Lynn, we should identify Lynn as Lynn Meadows, who's not just a wonderful director and a marvelous lady, but she's also the head of the Manhattan Theater Club, yeah, which is one of the more valuable. She's fantastic. She's one, yeah. really fantastic. One, of the, one of the most valuable theatrical um, establishments in the city. It's also great when a director or a choreographer works with you and they find something that specifically looks good on your body or your movement or your voice or whatever. When I went in for Anne Ranking in Chicago, Annie and I are very different. I mean, first of all, she's you know an icon dancer and everything else. So, But Annie worked with me and she made sure that all the steps looked great on me and, you know, and they changed some of the vocal arrangements because my voice is higher and stuff like that. And when they tweak for you, you can, it's not just a, a question of replacing somebody and doing a carbon copy, you know, cookie cutter version. It's a question of really showing you off to your best advantage, which ultimately helps the piece. And I'm sure that that's... Oh, sure. I've always found dancers sure. to be the most generous uh, in this regard. Mm -hmm. They really are very, very generous about... I know when I did the film of Sweet Charity, Gwen Verdon had played it on stage, and she didn't wasn't going to be able to play it on screen. They wanted a movie star, and when Shirley MacLaine got it, she just now granted she was at by this time the ex-wife of the director, <laughs> but nevertheless it was her decision <coughs> to go along and and do work with Shirley the entire way right. and to give her. But when it was her part, it must have been yes, very difficult. difficult. But dancers are very generous, and choreographers are so cruel. <laughs> I don't understand it. They're so mean uh, to their dancers, and the dancers seem to like it. It's that discipline. It's that focus. It's that, you know, you do, you like it. Has anyone ever replaced Hal Linden? <laughs> oh, sure. Has ah, anyone ever replaced oh, you? Of course. Anybody? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the Rothschilds, you Rothschilds. Yes. And, uh, Who took over for you in the Rothschilds? Um, actually, I closed it on Broadway, but... Uh, uh, who took it out on the road? The opera singer, what was his name? The... 
Jan Pierce. Jan Pierce. Jan Pierce. Oh, that's good. I'm very good. Wow. I did that I will tell you a great, it's, it's sort of like an understudy story, but uh, um, when Anthony Quinn and Marlon Brando were doing Viva Zapata, uh, Anthony Quinn took it on, took a streetcar on the road. So uh, they hated, in Viva Zapata, there had to be a real rivalry. And Elia Kazan used to go up to each one and go, I hear everybody thinks you or um, Brando was a better uh, Stanley. He was, <laughs> and then and then he would go up to Brando, going Anthony Quinn. They all say was a better Stanley. <laughs> and they hated each other on that film <laughs> because of that. He was he was Kazan was famous for turning getting actors to uh, take certain emotions by fooling with their offstage personalities. Yeah. He did that a lot. Telling like a choreographer. Telling them the dog was dead. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, really. Yeah. yeah, he was he was bad about that. Yeah. Um, Anyway, the uh, the whole talk about now the difference if between creating your difference as an actor between you you did touch on it before but creating a role and recreating a role. In other words, is the method different? I, as I said before, I don't think it's different. I personally don't. The only thing is that you do have pre prior directions, right. as it right. were. If you would if you would creating a role, you would be taking the director's directions. You now have set directions. They're already there. Uh, but the actual acting work that has to be done, the actual uh, relationship work that has to be mm -hmm. accomplished, the actual uh, study of, of uh, the, the context of the play, and uh, all the things that you do when you create a role, you have to do when you recreate a role. And it's nice that when you get to the point where you are coming into a project, you've missed a lot of the messy part. <laughs> you've missed all that, you know, yeah. hit and miss, try and fail, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when obviously when Steven and I assumed these roles, we were going into a well-oiled machine. That's and, true. Uh, That's a good point. I, and I also think that, you know, this is what we have to work with. This is it. I have my body, my voice, my persona, whatever. And so uh, I think it's very important especially when you are coming into a project that has been so highly regarded, or people may be thinking in terms of another actor in that role, um, to trust what you have and to trust that, you know what, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm smart enough and hopefully I'm good enough, and if I'm not, hopefully other people will help me and tell me. Um, but, and bring that. To but what you're but also, in, oh, I'm sorry. Right. Okay. Well, um. it, but in our case, uh, it, uh, people were extremely generous. I, I really feel that audiences were cognizant of this big change and especially with the controversial aspects of it in the beginning you know went with with Henry and, and but they've been extremely uh, if, if not forgiving they've been they, well they've been very enthusiastic and uh, have embraced it and uh, Mel Brooks has been uh, equally generous and, and embracing as and, and has as have the producers of the producers so they quickly dispelled with any possible pressure or fear. I, I think it, it's all been very respectful <coughs> and good. You, you know, there, there's a fu funny story. When, when, we, uh, when we did the reading uh, of the Just first Just tell the business. story. We'll let you know if it's right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll give you a thumbs up. Okay. We did the reading of the play. Lynn said she wanted me to see Tony do the role. We did the reading of the play and she said, it's okay, 
you don't have to see it. You're going your own journey. You're terrific. Two weeks into rehearsal, she goes, I want you to see Tony do it. <laughs> okay. So I go, oh, please don't make me see him do it. I saw it when it was in its early incarnation at Manhattan Theater Club. He's already in my head. I know what he's doing. Please don't make me see it again. She says, I just want you to see this one part. Okay, it's at 9.25, go, watch him do that. <laughs> I got there at 9.20, and I'm watching for five minutes, and I learned volumes, volumes from what he was doing. The part that she wanted me to see, I learned volumes because I didn't like what he was doing. <laughs> I said, I, said I, don't, I, I, I can't grasp on that, I'll do it my own way. But the things that I learned that five minutes before, and I couldn't see the rest of the play, I wouldn't see it. But I, honestly, his reactions, how he was, and little little gestures, and I, it was amazing. It was amazing, but I didn't want to see him do it. Getting back to your question about when you when you Actually. create something, the, the one show that I did on Broadway, which only was during the run and nobody came in afterwards, and then the show's never been revived or anything else, was a show called Over Here with the Andrew Sisters. Bob and, and Dick Sherman. Bob and Dick Sherman, oh, wow. yes, and uh, Will Holt wrote the book, and it was the Andrew Sisters and Janie Sell won a Tony, and actually Treat Williams, John Travolta, Annie Ranking, and I were all the young kids in it. So we all created our parts and everything else, and it was a real experience where you went to Philadelphia to go for you know three weeks, and they finally honed it, and you know, and it was like a, my first Broadway <coughs> experience, and it was really something for me. Um, but creating a part, you always feel that responsibility. Oh, I have these lines; I have to make them work because otherwise they're going to get cut. Oh, this is my big <laughs> musical number; I better make this work. Well, otherwise see, that's it's what get, he was talking about. You know, so you feel during the process when there was no changes to be made. Yeah, when you, cha when, right. you, when you create something from scratch and you're with a company creating it. So from scratch, including the producer, director, writers, everybody, there's always that responsibility of how do we make this piece the best it can be, and don't get too emotionally invested because <laughs> it might be gone tomorrow exactly. just because of time or, you know, whatever. Sherman Brothers have a big hit in London with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which right. will probably come here. It's an enormous hit in really? uh, London. Really? Yeah. 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 Which is interesting. Cause, How's uh, my part? It's from years ago. <laughs> 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 I know it's playing it now. Uh, <laughs> let me ask one question. I don't know about Brad, but I know the other four of you have not just done leads in series, but really big series. I mean, really gigantic series. Big, big series that went on and Tony nominated and all the rest of it. Emmy nominated. I mean, Emmy nominated. <laughs> well, we're Tony here. We yes, don't I mention know. Emmy. Um, she can get her own show. <laughs> uh, that, now, that kind of working, obviously, where you have to, where you're going to do. 23 episodes or whatever in a row and then is uh, and the learning of lines and all the rest of it obviously is such a different discipline yes from the stage that it must or is it you're looking similar. at me yeah similar you're not you know the I'm looking at you because <laughs> you're a great guy <laughs> 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 I can't believe he's sitting here I next can't believe I'm here <laughs> I took, <laughs> I took <laughs> Barney Miller over a couple of other shows because it was done live it was a sitcom and I thought I could use my stage experience in front of an audience and I quickly found out the uh, <laughs> wrong wrong that it was still it was still camera Mm -hmm. It was wow. still camera, not audience. That if you play to the 400 people there, uh, wrong. You play to the two people on the stage with you and let the camera observe it the same way as if it were a single camera now, show. Now, was yours a, a three-camera show? Was uh, film? It was a four-camera show on Fil tape. On tape. But we quickly lost the audience. 
Only they about the first four or five shows were taken. Oh, really? And, and, uh, right. And, and, and we had notoriously that, late scripts. That, and I'll, then I'll disagree with you then. I, sure. I, I, I mean, <coughs> the amazing one who, who I was lucky to work with for two years was Carol Burnett, who was able to play to the camera and to the audience at the same time. It was, there, it there was astounding. There's a certain I, level of, of humor that where the audience helps. Right. But there's a certain level of humor. I suspect your show would be more like it. Where, where the, where, uh, have an audience intrusion, as it were, it would mm -hmm. hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, well, Wings was an amazing show in many ways because it was, it was so it, they didn't play audience at all. I mean, it was so no, internal, internal to the characters more yes. than almost any other I've seen. And yet it was, it was uh, you really were a, f a, a group, a small group, who were playing. You know, I suppose, but it is, I think, as, as Hal is, is indicating, it's sort of a hybrid in a way. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's its own discipline, and uh, uh, there is there are aspects of it that aren't as as uh, introspective as pure film. But on the other hand, yeah, you can't be big and and uh, no, this, is, this is how I am. It's an indication of how my yeah. American right, technique right, big. Yeah. You know, it still you has can't to be, be too wide because it'll ruin it. You you go beyond the borders of the. Beyond the, the proscenium screen. arch of yeah. the TV camera, right. that's yeah. the that's the danger. Whereas, whereas Taxi a was uh, was a b it, it had I mean between uh, uh, the uh, every everybody was almost everybody was an exaggeration of one sort or another. It's interesting that you're working with Rhea again mm -hmm. because from uh, there was Rhea and there was and and uh, Devito, but on the other side. Andy Kaufman, which has to have been insanity, <laughs> right. you know, insanity, and, and uh, Carol uh, Kane. Carol Kane. Well, so they were heightened characters. They were. You know, know. I think it also depends on how big your set is and how, big, how intimate or big your scene is when you do it. You know, there were scenes between Danny and me at certain times that were as intimate as any film I've worked on, and scenes in the taxi garage that felt as large as any proscenium thing I've ever done. Was you know? Judd a, a kind of anchor for everybody? Oh, yeah, no question about it. And Danny, too. I mean, I think the two of them, you know, even though Danny was... Uh, that that crazy character and everything, you know, that very strong character. Judd Jud was definitely like the everyman of the piece. I mean, he and I, I think, were the two sanest people, you know, because everybody else was like, everybody else was pretty wild. Are you sure you didn't choose Bonnie Miller because you got to put the title role? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the reason. By, by, by the way, one thing is that I always say I look at TV as my waiter's job because it allows me to do a theater during the summer. And the only reason that I've never done Broadway, I mean, thank God, not wood, everything, I've been employed on TV, and they won't give a three-and-a-half-month contract. The so folks at, at, uh, at Allergy's Wife did and would, and that's why I'm on Broadway. Mm, that's we'll take a check now, Richard. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so we are, therefore, going to take uh, a short break. That's right. And, um, and we will be back, unless, of course, there's a vote amongst you. And you decide. <laughs> you decide. Only three of us. I will replace you. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be a whole replacement cast. There'll be a whole replacement cast sitting here when you come back. This is CUNY TV, the City University of New York. Before we get back to the American Theatre Wing's Working in the Theatre Seminar on Performance, I would like to remind you that these seminars are only one of the many year-round programs that the Wing undertakes. You're probably familiar with the American Theatre Wing's Tony Awards, 
given for her achievement of excellence in the Broadway theater. But we also have an important grants and scholarship program providing aid off and off off Broadway theaters, as well as to promising students to pursue studies in the theater arts. It's a long established charity dating back from World War I and World War II and our famous Sage Door Canteens. All of our programs are designed to reward and promote excellence in the theater, to introduce young people and their families to theater and the magic it unfolds. We take pride in the work we do, remain grateful to our members and everyone whose contributions help make possible the dynamic programs of the American Theater Week. Our work is important to the theater and the community, and we are proud to be a part of this exciting industry. And so now, let's return to our panel on performance and our moderator, Mr. Peter Stone. I, um, you'll notice that uh, we're all here. <laughs> no one has been replaced. We're all right here. No replacements. <laughs> what I'd like to talk about is something that's uh, uh, in, new to the theater bits in the last couple of years uh, or so, and which paradoxically are two forces working a little bit against each other. Uh, it used to be that a show, I mean, for a show to run two years, a thousand performances, which is two and a third years, was unheard of. I mean, there were, you could count them, uh, you know, uh, on the fingers of the Diane Quint Quintuplets. There, was, there, was, there were very, very few. Uh, <laughs> there were very, very few <laughs> thousand, thousand performances. That was it. A straight play to run a year was already uh, a big event. Shows broke even. I mean, a straight play could break even in nine or ten weeks. A musical could break even in 14 to 17 weeks. And that was, and shows didn't run that, that way. A uh, few did, like, you know, there were the long-running shows, but mostly shows ran, and it was an audience, a loyal the theatrical audience. As the finances of the theater changed dramatically, and it became very, very expensive to put them on, and theater tickets, believe it or not, rose much, much slower than the prices uh, to put them on, what it cost to put them on. A show now, a straight play, has to run pretty nearly a year, a straight play to break even, and a musical in two years. The, 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 the limit of what a show had to do is about where a show has to, has to go to get even. So new audiences had to be created to make shows run for a long, long time. And, um, and they were created through development programs of the producers and other, re other things too. But then it's an audience still is not exactly a theatrical audience. They're there to see... Uh, a, a little more entertainment than, than, than um, the, the, it, which is kind of hard on, on plays or other uh, uh, theatrical endeavors that have more serious intent. So, but, so it increases the likelihood that you're going to have to have replacement uh, actors and stars and so forth because the play plays so much longer. At the same token, to get a star of some to replace or a person of note you probably in these days have to go to another medium. In this case, mostly television, as 80% uh, of this uh, panel is, from, had shows. But that television actors have what's called the hiatus. It's the only time they're available. In other words, there's about four months when they don't work, where they're, where they're not making their series, and that's when they're available to Broadway. So the Broadway shows run longer, and the actors who replace can't stay very long if they're part of a series. And that's becoming a bit of a paradox, I feel. And uh, for those who are who you want to get, uh, uh, have you, for instance, uh, well, 
to do a series is obviously a very, very lucrative thing for an actor. I mean, you can make, uh, in the case of Cosby, probably a half a billion dollars. But I mean, you can, you can make a great deal of money. God knows he did. Anyway, <laughs> uh, 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 nevertheless, it's a credit to him that he likes to work. I and was that's in the, the old days before they had the uh, I know. salary. Right still, still, a hundred and something <laughs> episodes. All right. Um, the, um, now, your series, uh, is that still a series? Once and again? Oh, uh, no, I think that was, uh, that was uh, shelved. That was shelved. Yeah. Uh, but if there you'd be, if it were, you'd have a wonderful playing here, but you'd, they'd, they'd reel you back in. I suppose, uh, but I, I've got uh, what has become, I guess, an uncommonly long replacement contract. Is I, I'm, I'm in it almost a year. Uh, I'll be in it for roughly ten months, I guess, by the time my contract's up, as opposed to a lot of people who replace for... I did four months. Four months, or in some cases five weeks. I know Chicago, they... I did nine months yeah. when I first went in. Well, okay, you know, but yeah. that, that's not as common among right. so-called celebrities of no two. And, who, and who Spin replaced. City is, is, is gone the way of... It's gone. Yep. So none of you really is in a series and are going to get reeled in by it. No. But right. we come across that a lot. Now, now I, I will tell you what was in my contract if Spin City was picked up, is that I would continue doing the show and I would miss Thursday and Friday night shows uh, on Broadway go back, they would shoot the day, shoot on Friday night, I would hopefully catch the red eye back and be able to do the matinee on Saturday. That mm -hmm. was in my contract. Mm. Yeah. We lost Reba to a series. <coughs> she's doing very well in it, but we lost her to the series, which is out there, and she's still uh, doing it. And we're supposed to do a, a, a three-hour special on, uh, of Annie Get Your Gun, but she's only got a little window of opportunity, as they say, to do it. But let me ask you this. If you were handed a series, and they say, we want you, to come out and star in a series. Uh, Brad, the only one who didn't come from a series, <laughs> would, you, would, would you be, grab it? I mean, you love the stage and that's where you, where you function. Would you, would you grab it? Oh, sure. Oh, right. sure. Well, first of all, I mean, I think it's a fabulous medium. I have always loved the sitcom as an art form. I think it's very easy to dismiss. Uh, I think a lot of people do, and it always amazes me when people are surprised that Stephen can sing and dance and is funny on stage because you know, they know we're all actors. If you're lucky enough to work in a medium where millions of people are suddenly going to know your face and know who you are, uh, that's a blessing. It doesn't mean that that's the only thing you can do. No. So but sure, but I would become a hiatus person. Sure, sure. But I would love, the love to have the opportunity but to I work. But I always think it, it depends on the writing. You know, sure. I mean, there are certain series that you wouldn't want to go near even if you were desperate for a job because sure. it could hurt your next job. Because it'll tell be you, on and off right away. I've got to tell you, it's getting harder and harder <laughs> to find good stuff. To find good stuff. It Betty Davis was after, they were after Betty Davis for years and years to do a series. And she didn't want to do one. But they paid her a great many dollars to do a pilot. So she would go through the stack of scripts that she got. Choose the one that was the worst. And she would choose the ones that had no chance whatsoever. Uh, get her, get her money, and the series never happened. And so she could go on. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. yeah. Nowadays, funny. unfortunately, it's in television, it's become uh, art by committee. The yeah. networks and the studios are right there, writing and rewriting everybody's, and it's. Uh, 
I don't know that I would rush back to do it. <laughs> but boy, if you're on a good show, I mean, Mad About uh, You. If you find I thought Mad About You was like written by young Herb Gardner's and Neil Simon. They were so cleverly yeah. written sometimes. There was one that was took place in the bathroom, the whole show. It was like a one-act play. <laughs> do, we think, do we think Rob Lowe's crazy? Yes. Yes. Uh, I do. A show Definitely. of hands. Anyway. Yeah. He's got a, yeah, all right. Ridiculous. Uh, would, would you think they'd take an older man? No. I don't no. <laughs> <laughs> would, you, would you go for a great series? I'd That's love to do a good hour series. A dramatic series. A good dramatic series. Richard, would you go I'd for a series? Oh, yeah. In a minute. Oh, oh, really? oh in, a, in a minute, if it's good. If it's good, that's absolutely. the hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I yeah. will tell you this. I'm, I'm a new father, and y I think sitcoms should only be acted by parents because mm -hmm. the hours are livable yeah. and short. Doing an hour series, <laughs> that's the hardest work in the business. Mm -hmm. It's just long, yeah. long days, and you never see your family or get to do anything. No. Yeah, if you have to get, yeah. you know, put, put on makeup every day and live in a trailer. Yeah. You yeah. Know. yeah. Steven, you've been stuff. through a, f a couple of series. I'm looking to the roller derby for my next. <laughs> 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 That's good. The next area that I conquer. <laughs> but writing, tell us for a second, you're a writer now. Well, I, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I, I write. Well, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, it. I try to write. If there's any other definition, I don't know of it. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Members uh, of the Guild. A, a few years ago, I, I decided that uh, since uh, the shelf lives of many uh, sitcom actors are brief, that I would try to uh, make employment for myself by, try, uh, by branching out. And uh, so I started writing, and I adapted a couple of uh, short stories that were made into Outer Limits episodes and all that stuff and uh, actually tried directing which was mortifying but educational and then I, I was uh, I wrote something that was made into a, a TV movie for uh, Showtime called Clubland with uh, Alan Alda and myself playing father and son talent agents in the 50s and it was a a very gratifying experience and it got made and it was uh, wonderful I mean it wasn't you know, it wasn't uh, Sterling Siliphant, it wasn't, you know, uh, right. brilliantly written, but I mean, yeah. hell, it got made, and that's basically what I was doing it for. And so I'm, I'm endeavoring to do that as well as act. Uh, just, it, it's but truly not mercenary. For the not for the stage. <sighs> you know what the reality is that uh, the theater is uh, incredibly difficult. And, and, and in a way, TV is. The bar has there's been so lowered sufficiently well, <laughs> to allow. <laughs> to allow. Uh, I, I mean, uh, maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot, but uh, it's it seems easier. Well, there's for so me much to write more of it. product. I mean, yeah. my God, right. you got, you've not only got you now instead of three networks, you have six, right. and you have cable now with with making original movies on at least six uh, cable channels. And you can get it made. And, and yes. the idea of writing a play, and of course, when I was young, and I would fantasize about writing a play or something. But the reality is that it's it's. Uh, you have to answer to an audience in the flesh, and it's a lot more daunting. It, it's, uh, in a way, there's a, there's a pedigree that is, uh, again, more uh, frightening for me as an aspiring writer. You're still writer. not convincing me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll write Try for the theater. I, I, I will say this. Craig has thrust upon me. I, I love it when <clears throat> people still do write for the theater, uh, a la Kenny Lonergan, uh, who, who has made his f a great fortune uh, in doing movies, and he still comes back yeah, to Neil Labute, you know. And Neil Labute, yeah. uh, it's and then there are those people who've never done anything else, like Edward Albee yeah. and mm -hmm. others, who are, you know, and Arthur Miller, basically, and uh, Tennessee, who, uh, who, you know, and we have those people with us now, still, uh, who write only for the stage. Tony Kushner, I guess, and uh, and but uh, 
It, I just think it's an admirable thing. It's a different world now because they do want products so much that they'll, they'll throw all kinds of money at you, and it's hard to turn that yeah. down. It's so when, that, when they do, when, it's very seductive. So when they can split their time, I, th I think it's an admirable thing. Peter, really you write for the theater. I do. Now, I mean, I spent a lot of, t I mean, I used to write a lot for film in between, but my interest was always the theater. But I chose the musical theater because I, I liked it. Uh, I had my first break. I got asked to do a, a musical uh, as the first thing I would ever have on Broadway. This was 40 years ago. But I, uh, and it happened to be a musical, and it was Alfred Drake, whom I admired enormously. Okay. And it was based on a play by Jean-Paul Sartre, which I had seen when I lived in Paris. And, and it was just one of those things. But having gone through the process of a musical, I really became involved in it. I found it at that time realism was far more rampant on Broadway than uh, in the theater, let's just say, uh, than it is even now, naturalism, as it was called. And I was bored with naturalism. I found it very, very narrow, and I thought the audience was bored by it, too. I didn't think they wanted to see fourth wall, you know, the fourth wall torn down and you're eavesdropping on somebody's life. And the musical restored Three of Aristotle's six uh, <laughs> properties of, of theater. It wasn't just plot, character, and theme, but it was also spectacle, movement, as is dance, and, and music, and, 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 uh, and poetry. And, um, and the musical restored all that, and that interested me, and I like it, and I like doing it. And I'm also not the best writer in the world, but I am a very good mus musical book writer, and that, that also changed everything. So I like but, doing it. But it's it. so hard nowadays because the consequences of a bad musical cost millions, so it many. could hurt you forever as a young writer. And it to make it, have, it, have it produced yeah. is so difficult nowadays. It is difficult. And it, you, there's a great shortage of producers, of, of really good producers. You're going to see in a little bit, you're going to see probably the last of the really great independent producers who has received uh, a... Um, Lifetime Achievement Award at the Tonys this last year, and unfortunately there wasn't time to show it, and who died a few, just a couple of weeks later. Uh, and uh, it was, there are not producers like that anymore. There, there are more organizations, full service organizations, and they're looking on the road, they looked at, you know, and they're looking at things that didn't used to matter much, but now do a lot. It made it harder, there's no question. But... There you are. The nice question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a certain lowest common denominator appeal, I think, at this point, because it is the money. So it is how can you know how many people? Well, Hairspray is an enormous hit. Nobody's seen it yet. It's an enormous hit. The New York Times reviewed it in the magazine section. I don't know what Ben Brantley's going to do. He <laughs> they reviewed it uh, five weeks before it opened. Called it a hit. Called the songs wonderful. Called the show wonderful. Called it. They reviewed it. Uh, it's an enormous hit. Uh, but it's a hit for a certain audience, and that audience, I think, is limitless. Where there are certain shows, like, for instance, Lion King, which will never close, ever, <laughs> because new generations of kids, I mean, it just has to run sure. 20 years at a time, and a new generation, right. and it deserves to run. She's genius. Uh, you know, Julie Taymor is a genius, and, and, and that show is a revelation. And the producer is going to run forever because it's fun. But there are certain shows that are just energetic. I mean, Mamma Mia is an energetic show. I mean, it doesn't uh, have a lot to offer except for people who used to like ABBA and dance in the aisles. But that's not theater. Right. It's something, right. but it isn't theater. Sure. I mean, in a, in a way, just to... Uh, the reason why I guess I was so intimidated to write for the theater is because I hold it in s 
really high regard, and, and I'm not sure that, uh, I, well, I, I'd be afraid to take on something. <laughs> I'm not sure I have the depth or the daring to. You don't. To well, I don't. I don't. <laughs> wow, that's been confirmed by yes, my yes, fellow yes. yes. That's time why the roller yes, derby, sorry. my yes. friends, the roller derby sounds the wave of the future. <laughs> well, oddly enough, I'm talking they, the old big four wheel really? skates. I'm sorry, Got they that did in line crap. Uh, Starlight Express. They did it, and it didn't <laughs> work. It didn't work. They made a musical, which yeah, I rather, right. I rather admired its energy and its, but it didn't work. It's big hit London, still maybe. <laughs> still running. But, uh, Are but you it, saying that you skates. don't have to be as good writing for television? And oh, God. No, I don't think that's true. I think Aaron Sorkin, who writes for The West Wing, you don't write better than that. I, that's as good as you have to write ever. You know, more people you know. sit in their chairs at home watching television than they do, unfortunately, yeah. in the theater. And that's just the so way the it is. Are higher, and Aaron Sorkin, who started the in the theater. He yeah. started in the theater. It was one basic play. And then he went and made it into a better movie than it was a play. And then... But there's another thing, and then I think the Tony people have to understand when they say we're not getting the ratings that the Oscars and the Emmys get. New York is very much a theatrical center. There's no place in the, yes, there's a very vibrant, small, in Chicago, it's, it's quite good, and in Seattle, and there's some in San Diego, and so forth. But, I mean, when you walk up Times Square and you see 30 theaters with their lights all on, and I mean, there's, you know, so you have a Tony Award to give awards to actors that the people out there in the country watch television have never seen before. Now, you know, they, you know, it's a very much, it's, I hate to say it, it's parochial in a way. It's, it's a part of our, it's a New York thing more than anything I'm, I'm else. I'm going to say something that I think you'll disagree with. Uh, no, I promise I'll agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you won't. I think the theater in L.A. is quite, quite great. There's just very little of it. That's correct. Or what there are, they're not great physical theaters. No. It, there are movie palaces. There are great theater houses here on Broadway, and therefore, plays come into them. They are perfect. But it has to do with the theater going public there. Yeah. The venues are small and kind of cool. Uh, there was no audience. But I'll tell you, I see a lot of theater. They just did a, a production of, the, of uh, not the price, uh, After the Fall. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Well, fantastic. I, mean, I saw a production of The Blood Knot with Don Cheadle. And this was like about six years ago. And I mean, it was incredible. It was incredible. Nobody was in the audience. Well, yeah. six yeah. people part of the tragedy in terms of actors. I couldn't believe what I was saying. It was so brilliant. Is the three thousand miles in England, in France, in other yeah. major countries, film and theater are in the same city. That's right. And actors can play, can make movies in the day and play on the stage at night. Here, they relocate their families, right. everything else. And you know, Brando, and it, and it Brando went. Paul Newman went. Right. Uh, uh, the, uh, Robert Redford, they went. And they don't come back because they can't. Once in a while, Henry Fonda would come back occasionally, uh, you know, which was terrific. And but mostly, film people who are really well known and successful don't come back, mm -hmm. except later on, because they want to, but not because they need to or have to or anything else. So there is that problem that that the the, the theater and the and the film is so widely separated geographically that it makes it very hard. And also because uh, the, the, the government isn't recognizing theater, theatrical endeavors the way it should or did. Uh, it's, you know, the National Endowment for the Arts, and it's just, it's being marginalized, and uh, certainly in schools, and it's, it's becoming less and less uh, important. In yeah, but, but I think that's changed. I mean, I think that certainly 10 years ago, Broadway seemed much more dead than it does now. Yes. And 15 years ago, no question about it, it felt completely dead. I have yeah. to say that so the eight plays that were nominated, the four straight plays, the four revivals, and the four new plays this mm -hmm. season, all eight of them were quite terrific. Yeah. They really were yep. good. 
Uh, I can't say that about true. the musicals. Which was uh, there, exactly. You know, I can't say that about the musicals. They weren't, but yeah. the but the but the straight plays. So I think it's getting to be a healthier place for for what we call straight plays, which. Even saying it means that we're that the musical is is primary. You're, otherwise, you'd say plays. You know, you wouldn't right. have to say straight plays. Uh, but but I think that's become I think that's becoming a, a, a stronger. But you see, they used lines for uh, matinees and evening at TGF on Broadway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. People want to go to the theater. Yes. They yeah, want they to see. No, the I, I have a question. Is the goat considered a, a hit? It's running. It's running. Well, it's closing soon. Is it? Yeah. Well, they're After thinking we about a repl uh, quite an interesting replacement. I don't know whether they're making mm -hmm. it, but yeah. uh, but Glenn I know Close? that uh, that. Uh, Glenn Close. Polly. Hmm. I heard. John Polly. Yeah. No. They're they're. Uh, I just heard yesterday that the actress, but it wasn't Glenn Close, but it was somebody who might replace. Uh, Mercedes. Uh, I think it's a wonderful play, and I really do like it. And, but imagine a play as. As outré as that one is, as as controversial, as 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 strange as that play is to have run this length of time. That's right on Broadway. Mm -hmm. On Broadway, mm -hmm. you on Broadway. know, is already I guess there's no national tour. I mean, had it been <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have in been the good. Midwest, yes, exactly, yes. and New Zealand. The Bible Belt. Right. New Zealand and the Midwest are <laughs> both very big. They couldn't catch the goats. In any of the farming and in uh, Haiti, uh, areas, it would have yeah, been farmers good. from all over. Would be. Not to spoil it for anybody, but we don't exactly see a, a live one. Anyway, uh, I, I'd like to know where each one of you came from before you came here. What was your background? Did you uh, go to theater school? Did you I, I grew up outside of Washington D.C. and uh, had a very, you know, normal. Did did shows in school, community theater. Uh, went to Boston University, for four years. Got a BFA in acting. Moved to the city. Started waiting tables, auditioning. <laughs> Couldn't have been more classic in that respect. What and I went for show. My first show, uh, well, my first equity job was up in Worcester, Mass, doing a production of Tom Foolery. Um, uh, and then I, I came back from that. I went to an open call for Aspects of Love, the Andrew Lloyd Webber show in right. 1990, and uh, got cast as a swing in Aspects of Love and went from waiting tables at Charlie's on 45th Street to eating. To exactly. Yeah. To having a reservation after the show. Just stepping the yeah. waiters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Making fun yeah. of the waiters. Oh. As he has Richard Greenberg's line. Excuse yeah. me, exactly. actor. actor uh, I mean, uh, waiter. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh -huh. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, wow. how about you? Well, I was supposed to go to law school. Uh, my dad's best friend said, try New York for a year because that's what you really want to do. I was here for four and a half years, then went to Second City for another four and a half years. Uh, and so I was on stage. That was my Yale drama school, but for, for he comedy. He wasn't your dad's best friend. He was your best friend. You're right. Friend. You're telling me. And uh, then went out to uh, L.A. And I've, I've actually done, believe it or not, seven TV series. Sorry, and it's unbelievable. <laughs> and, and, but every summer, I would go and do a play. I'd uh, been at the Guthrie. I'd been at Williamstown, did North Carolina, and... I'm all over. I'd make sure I do a pl at least at least one play a year, so that's why I keep doing theater. Yeah. I was a professional <laughs> musician. I never set foot an on instrumentalist. Stage. Or? I never set foot on the stage till my middle twenties. What was your instrument? I was reed man, saxophone, clarinet. I actually no kidding. I played with uh, uh, Ray McKinley and Bobby Sherwood and all those bands. You remember these names. Yes, I they do. Don't. Uh, no. <laughs> and uh, I never had the slightest interest in the theater. Until what? 
Uh, in the Army. I went to, I graduated college and I did my Army duty. And in the Army, I, st I, I was singing. That I did do. I, was, I used to sing with the bands. And uh, in the Army, I started doing soldier shows and singing, basically. But then they would give me a sketch and say, okay, you're playing the father in the sketch. And I'd come off and say, that was a very comfortable place to be. I, that was nice. I ought to try that again. And they reacted. They did and everything. They, yeah. they applauded. So when I got out of the Army, I used my GI Bill and went to the American Theater Wing. No. <laughs> oh. I studied there and uh, started auditioning. And uh, did your family approve? My family approved <laughs> yeah. of my acting. Of your going into into, into the theater. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a musician can make a living, but an actor. Oh my! They weren't even nuts about my being a musician. Yeah. <laughs> I was supposed to be an accountant. Or an something. accountant, right? Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what about you? In my family, okay. My my family's business. We I grew up with, with a dancing school in our backyard. We had two hundred students between the ages of two and eighty, including the nuns who came over for stretch classes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We also had a beauty shop out of our kitchen and. Art class is going on upstairs. Genuflecting takes a great deal of stretching. So I grew up in a very theatrical family, six brothers and sisters. My oldest sister was in all the college plays, and every time they needed any kid in Chicago for any theatrical thing, they'd call our dancing school. So I did The King and I like four times as a kid, and you know, all the other stuff. Well, I got very involved with Chicago theater, because Chicago's got a great theater system, and one day a friend of mine that I'd known when I was a sophomore in high school and had done a play with him, he called me when I was a senior. He said, I've written a show. It may never get off the ground. It's about the kids I went to high school with. I want you to play a part. So I was in the original, original, original company of Greece. So I created the role of Marty, and when the show went to Broadway, I didn't go, as I said before, because I was just starting college. But then when the national company came up, I decided I was a college student in the morning and uh, brought and a, on, uh, you know, a theatric, uh, uh, equity card carrier by the afternoon. And uh, that just started you know, a million other things and living in New York and then going off to L.A. to do all the stuff that I've done since then. Did so six Broadway shows later. So. Now, Stephen, did you start out with another interest in life when you was a young person? Well, actually, when I was a child, I, uh, I did commercials. Uh, I did several commercials that ran, and uh, uh, where are you my from? parents pocketed the money. I'm from Queens. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and my, my father was uh, a talent agent who managed comics and singers in the Borscht Belt. My mom was a... Uh, a nightclub singer, where she was a Copa girl, and you all this. Were born stuff. to the purple, more or less. I, but I, I, but uh, they weren't. Uh, they didn't really encourage me, nor did they discourage me. But I, I ended up doing commercials, and then I went to uh, the high school performing arts, and then I went to uh, uh, SUNY Purchase. Purchase is uh, upstate New York, which is kind of they a liberal Juilliard, great theater. And then, uh, and my first uh, theater job after college was with. Um, a company called the Mirror Repertory <laughs> Company, which is short-lived, but uh, it, was a, it had about 30 actors in it, and uh, Jerry, Geraldine Page was the artist-in-residence, oh, and, uh, and so we did, uh, we did Paradise Lost, and we did Rain, and we did this <laughs> chestnut of a play called uh, The Inheritors. Oh, know, I wrote that. No, no. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was the word chestnut. Chestnut. Yeah. Uh, Everything and so was a good role for Geraldine. Yeah. <laughs> well, she, yeah. That's right. But she, uh, and so she was Someone my first, uh, uh, she was, I mean, that was my first professional theater experience. And, uh, and she was, in a way, I don't, she's not 
spoken a, about enough nowadays. Uh, I think uh, she she passed away. Maybe uh, I think she was one of the great, uh, you know, Amazing. one of the great great actresses <laughs> of the American stage. You know, no question. In the in the in the right in the tradition of La Galliga and exactly. And, and yeah, yeah. She and was a wonderful actress. Cornell incredibly. Uh, what, imaginative and, and what was God. the play? Oh, Agnes of God. I saw her in Agnes of God, mm -hmm. and I went to Catholic school, you know, for 13 years <laughs> of my life, kindergarten through 12th grade. I've never seen a person be more of a nun <laughs> on stage. I mean, I would talk about genuflecting. Oh my gosh! I mean, it was, she was extraordinary. How do they get the jobs through a casting agent? Or the recent one we have now. Yeah, oh, in general. Oh, no, they get uh, called. You get a call. I, I just got a, I was, they asked me to do this. I had never seen the play. I did a televisiologist's wife. I Is said it it's the worst time. Or an, or no. they, they called my agent. And, and they call your agent. They call your yeah. agent. Right. I read it, and it was like the worst time for me to come and do something because I was doing another job. But I read the script, and I went, I have to do this because it's such a great part for me. So you push other things aside and somehow make it all work. I, you know, I, the only reason I auditioned for this I've, I, just to sing Lynn Meadows' praises again, I auditioned about eight years ago for a play called The Loman Family Picnic right, that, that, she, that. that she directed. Now, my, th this is how, how nurturing Lynn Meadows can be. I auditioned for her, and she worked with me for an hour. And then she sent me home and said, come back tomorrow, and let's see how, how you do. So, I mean, she, it's like she wants you to do well. She wants to see the best. Needless to say, I didn't get it, but... <laughs> <laughs> But you should have stayed. But, yeah, <laughs> but I was in yeah. Washington when they were uh, auditioning for this, because uh, I did have to audition. And when they said an audition with Lynn Meadow, it's like a seminar. <laughs> sure, I'll come in and I'll do it. And uh, I never, th I thought I was all wrong for the part. I thought <clears throat> I was too young, everything like that. I got it, but... Uh, How do you feel audition? about auditions? Uh, pardon me? How do you feel about auditions, all of you? Well, I think, for, for instance, writers get very upset with some actors who are recognized in stars because they say, oh, why don't audition? But it's not about auditioning. It's about reading, be because the character has certain qualities that you just want to see right. whether the match is there. Also, you have to match the other castings there. I so, love to audition. But so I love to audition. Well, I don't yeah. I feel sometimes it's, it's, sometimes it's the only 10 minutes that you have that part. That's an interesting way. That's yeah. A lot of times, especially because I like doing theater and you got a little audience there, I work hard, I study the role and I go, hey, look, I get to act, you know, because unlike a writer or an artist, you know, you, you can't just sit yeah. in your bedroom and, and, uh, and create, you got to do it in front of people and all of a sudden. I, I had to audition for Chicago. They called me, I remember this was in March, they called and said, Annie Rankings leaving Chicago, when was the last time you danced? You now I had a, you know, 15 month old baby home, I said, oh my gosh, I haven't danced I haven't had my legs up in the air except for childbirth and a good weekend <laughs> in about five years. <laughs> so, so I said, I better get my ass back in dance class. And even though I had trained as a dancer and grew up dancing my whole life, I went to class and I, you know, I, I was a little creaky at first, but I had like ten, 10 days before I came to see the show. I saw the show and I went, oh my gosh, I have got to do this part. So I went to my first audition. I was very L.A. the way I was dressed. My hair was half up, half down. I had biker shorts. I had little jazz shoes and everything. <laughs> and, and Walter Bobby said, okay, I want you to work another two weeks on this. And I went, okay. I went home. I called the producers the next day. I said, I want to prove to you that I can do this part. What do I have to do? And they said, well, can you work with somebody? I said, can, can, and I said to them, is there somebody in L.A. who can teach me the Fosse technique? And they said, we really don't have anybody who's doing that, but maybe you can find someone. So I rented Cabaret and all that jazz, and in the first five minutes of all that jazz, I saw that Catherine Doby, who was Bob right, Fosse's right. assistant, was in this, and I knew her. I called her and said, Catherine, would you help me? We watched, and she was like, 
she was like a, a prison matron. I mean, she was like so hard on me. <laughs> she said, what did you wear? And I told her, she said, no, 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 it's fussy. You wear, you know, fishnet hose and you have a French cut leotard and you do eye makeup and you do this. And, and, and can and, you make this change? And can you do this? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that's so funny you said that because that's really true. She said, your fingers have to be exactly yeah, perfectly right. apart yeah. and get that shoulder. On and your get derby, this. on your head. And she yeah. like made me crazy. But I went in there two weeks later and I aced the audition with her help. So sometimes it just takes that extra homework and that mm -hmm. extra push and that extra kind of, you know, commitment to doing something like that. Yeah. You, you, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, the whole idea of wanting a part and working for it is really, you know, something I think that a lot of people, a lot of actors feel that they're, they're are, it's like they're Egos being challenged in some way, but my goodness, it's agents uh, do your that. Status, yeah. Yeah. Agents do that. They won't let you go on audition. No, 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 yeah. no, no. If you no. go on audition, they, you know, it's a strange they game. It's a strange it is a strange game, game. It's, it's and I, I keep telling agents, no, I want to go. That's the way to lose it. Every time I audition I, for a yeah, part, I'll tell I get you something it. else. I'll go in and I'll ask <laughs> to audition for the casting agent before I meet the producers, so that I feel what it's like out loud. They're going to give me some notes because they've all mm -hmm. obviously talked to the powers that be and what they want. And so I'll, I'll get as many hints as I can. See, but it's so different in L.A. than it is in New York. Uh -huh. Because in New York, you feel like everybody's got their job that they do, and you, everybody wants to do well, and it's sort of a community effort, and, you know, the people will work with you. In L.A., because you audition a certain way, and it's like good, bad, it's almost like people have remote controls. Right. You, you know, it's, it's just a completely different mindset. And so you 15 get people to. out there. Well, what yeah. was your All with a vote what in was the dark. Bre uh, you, I yeah. mean, what, Brad was started out as a swing. In, in the producer, but how yeah. did you audition for that? Well, I, mean, I just I flew in. I mean, I was uh, I had been doing Jekyll and Hyde on Broadway forever, and they'd give me a leave of absence, and I was playing Santa Claus for Radio City in Branson, Missouri. And I <laughs> flew in on my day off because they were looking for a standby for Nathan. And I thought, well, this is an extraordinary opportunity to be a part of this project in whatever way possible. So I flew in, and, and I, I read, and I sang, and I flew back to Branson the next day and got the call and got the job. Mm -hmm. and By the way, one small chapter that was... Uh, cut out in your description of how you got the job is that you were also standby for uh, for Franz, for Franz right. who later uh, was excised. His, that that actor was excised. Right. Brad Brad's like the Black Widow. He's the, the Black Widow of Broadway. Everybody, we are going to get sick. Well, we are we are going. This is not mine. We are going to. We're going to stop. When you auditioned, did you sing "This Is the Moment"? We are going to stop. <laughs> We're going to stop here uh, for a treat, actually, something that's quite uh, terrific, which uh, Isabel is going to tell you about. Before we say goodbye and thanks to this marvelous panel, these wonderful people, we have a special treat. We're going to show you the special Tony Awards for Lifetime Achievement to Robert Whitehead and Julie Harris. This ceremony preceded the 2002 Tony Awards telecast and has never before been televised. And so, now, this special ceremony. And now, to present our first Tony Award, he has two shows presently running on Broadway. He has a new play about to go into rehearsal this summer and is one of the most produced playwrights of the past half century. He's often referred to as America's greatest living playwright. Ladies and gentlemen, the esteemed Arthur Miller.
For almost 50 years now, a certain gentleman has occupied a large space at the very top of New York theater life. <clears throat> a man of taste, honest to a fault, with a profound love of theater and respect for its artists. Incredibly enough, he's a producer. <laughs> Robert Whitehead was the visionary who really created the theater in Lincoln Center, but there isn't time for more than a brief sampling of his credits. He produced Medea on Broadway, The Member of the Wedding, The Visit, Bus Stop, The Skin of Our Teeth, The Prime of Miss Brody, Pinter's Betrayal, Old Times, and No Man's Land, Orpheus Descending, The Time of the Cuckoo, A Man for All Seasons, Masterclass, A Touch of the Poet, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and Eight of My Plays. <clears throat> Among his stars have been Judith Anderson, Julie Harris, and Ethel Waters, Alfred Lunt and Lynn Fontaine, John Gielgud, Lillian Gish, Kim Stanley, Helen Hayes, Ina Clare, Catherine Hepburn, Davy Burns, Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin, and Jason Robots, and Mrs. Whitehead, normally called Zoe Caldwell. Enough for two, is enough for two lifetime awards from an awed and grateful profession to the undisputed King of the Hill, Robert Whitehead. tell you, Arthur said, how can I give you this award if you're going to be carrying a cane? I said, well, I'll give you back the cane if you let me have the award. <laughs> All of this goes back so far so dense in terms of time, experiences that we've had together. It's, um, I said to someone in the car, what was that show in the music hall in which they were shooting arrows all the time? Does anybody know? <laughs> Who was the big bulb? Errol Flynn. Errol Flynn. I said, this all goes back to the time that, that Errol Flynn was shooting arrows in Radio City Music Hall. So it's a, a long time ago, and in that time, I learned and was enriched and came to understand the theater in a way I would never, ever, ever be able to talk about if it wasn't for my friend Arthur Miller. And so because of that, I'm going to give him back this award and take the cane. 
I think it's time we stop. I can only say to have been honored by this award, to have had it even recognized has touched me more than I can ever put in the words. This room is full of people I've worked with. People who worked on shows with me and have also taught me a great deal. And if I started to going through those names, I would break down in tears. I can only tell you, I'm grateful and I thank you all so much for including me here this evening. Good night. The artist I'm about to introduce joined our theater family as a young actress with Joseph Papp's New York Shakespeare Festival. This past summer, she mesmerized audiences in George Wolfe's Shakespeare Festival production of The Seagull, filling Central Park with enthusiastic young theatergoers who camped out every night to get tickets. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to present the gigantically talented Miss Meryl Streep. Thank you very much. The term overnight sens sensation is heard from time to time in our unpredictable business. But for Julie Harris in 1950, it was anything but unpredictable. In the role of the 12-year-old Frankie Adams in A Member of the Wedding, Julie Harris became the quintessential star is born. If I keep on growing like this until I'm 21, Frankie says in the play, I figure I'll be nearly 10 feet tall. That line became prophetic because Julie Harris became a towering presence in the world of the theater. And through the years, she's played a succession of dazzling roles. She was the first Sally Bowles in I Am a Camera, for which she received her first Tony Award. Then came four more Tonys, St. Joan in the Lark, Forty Carats, The Last of Mrs. Lincoln, and in 1976, her triumph as Emily Dickinson in The Bell of Amherst. And she is still, her beautiful art continues unabated with five additional Tony nominations. And two years ago, she embarked on a silver anniversary tour, a national tour of The Bell of Amherst. Julie Harris has been an inspiration to me and to every actress who aspires to a life in acting. It's my great honor and joy to present this special Tony Lifetime Achievement Award to the belle of the American theater, our beloved Julie Harris.
I love you. I I love you all. Uh, and 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 I'm I'm home. Thank you. It was a great treat to see that, and yeah. uh, and because both of them were such dear, dear people, Julie still is, and of course, but but uh, we'll never see the likes of, uh, I, I fear, um, you know, of the producing of such a producer again. You've all been very, very kind to put up with us. We really appreciated your uh, participation. Uh, I couldn't be happier than to have five uh, artists of this quality uh, surrounding me. Um, if I were selected, you'd all get the parts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just another. Uh, well, we're, we're actually talking about that. <laughs> anyway, but the fact is that it's just another example of the wing bringing theater uh, to people who w are will be enriched by it. And um, by seeing this sort of thing, those whole generations who might start to work the way all of uh, these people have started to work. And, so we thank Isabel, we thank the wing, we thank you, and, uh, and thank you for coming. And this gentleman. <laughs>